Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the very first episode of If Not Us. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Vakas. And I'm your other co-host, Clara Campbell. Eric, I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. I know, I know. Ah. How, how are you doing? I'm okay. You know, elections are on the corner. The air's buzzing everywhere. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but I'm excited to talk to you uh, and to kick off this series that you and I have been talking about for a little while now. Me too. Um, and just for the folks out there, I'm so excited that we can finally invite you in. This is something that Eric and I have just enjoyed a long tradition of having great talks about politics and issues. And then we thought, why do we not just invite everybody else in there? So that's what we're doing now with our series, If Not Us, which is going to be a series of conversations, candid conversations with people who are really leading the change on the forefronts of change. Um, we're going to be asking some tough questions, discussing some tough issues, and just exploring all the things that are happening in our world and, and during this time. Um, the reason we chose the name, if not us, is because we felt like it really matched the sentiment of our times. And I'm, I'm sure everyone feels like this no matter when they live, but it, it's just a, such a time where we feel like, if not us, then who, you know, with the rise of activism... And just so many important things happening right now. And if not now, then when? So that's where the series came from. We're hoping to make it fun because Eric and I are fun, not boring. And we're hoping to make it less like a webinar and more like a dinner conversation with a really good group of friends. So we're looking forward to, I can't believe this is our first episode. Yeah. So uh, Claire and I get to work uh, in advocacy on a daily basis through Media Cause, our nonprofit marketing agency. Uh, but one of the things that we talk a lot about is that change belongs to everybody. And mm -hmm. it couldn't be more evident now with how many people are active in yeah. activism and, and online organizing through so social media, um, primarily. Uh, anyone with a Twitter account can really be an advocate these days and an activist. Um, and so we think it's great to, to talk amongst ourselves, uh, to bring in other people that work in nonprofit advocacy, but also really to engage with every everyday individuals that just really care about stuff and want to do something and are taking mm -hmm. action right now. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, kicking off with our first topic about um, what's going on with advocacy these days and how we've seen things change over the last four years as we head into the, the next election, um, really reflecting back on what we've experienced over the last four years. Mm -hmm. So um, to get us started, I just wanted to read a little bit from a blog post uh, that, that I wrote, um, and in particular, something from an email that I sent our team uh, on the eve of the election uh, last uh, round in 2016. So um, I think just to, to start, um, like a lot of people, I felt a whole range of emotions the two, after the 2016 election. And mm -hmm. with, uh, frustration, disbelief, uh, anger, um, you know, scared, um, and, uh, you know, ultimately fell asleep and, you know, woke up in the morning feeling pretty recharged. And, uh, and ready to get to work. And uh, first thing I did when I get, got to work was to send an email out to the staff. And I just want to read that, uh, a bit of that for you right now. Um, and so I ended the message by saying, uh, despite the concerns and uncertainty that lies ahead, it's time to move forward. 
I see the opportunity for us at Media Cause, our clients, and each of us individually to play a role in the future of this country more than ever before. It's times like these when I'm thankful that I work in such a field like this with an amazing group of passionate people like all of you. So let's mm-hmm. get um, And that's really how, that's how I felt. That's, that was the sentiment at the time. Um, this is uh, an unexpected result in an election, but um, really it's, you know, now more than ever, um, people that are working in advocacy got to, got to get to work. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't expecting the four years to be easy. I wasn't expecting <laughs> Republicans and Democrats to all of a sudden get along uh, for us to see uh, eye to eye on policy issues. Um, but I was not prepared for what we experienced in those four years. And, yes, could uh, be. and just wanted to take a couple minutes to, to reflect on that. So uh, to start us off with the question here, uh, Despite the fact that we've seen uh, what feels like more people than ever getting involved in in activism um, and organizing online, um, what has changed and and why do you think that the tactics that used to work don't really work anymore or haven't worked over the last four years? Mm, Such a question. I think... I, I broke it down into kind of three things that that jumped into my mind. The first one is just the erosion of trust. You know, we talk all the time about how trust is so important, but equally so in advocacy, right? Like we have to know that um, our institutions and our democracy is a functioning venue for us to be able to even enter into thinking about how we might make positive change. So I think there's been a lot of erosion of trust. Um, The second thing is a lack of responsibility and accountability on behalf of a lot of the people who have been in charge. So what I think of an example of what I mean is, you know, the the women's march right after Trump's inauguration up until the protests um, for racial justice that we're seeing now, you know, there's just this sense that we there's a lot of noise being made. There are a lot of passionate people out there, but you don't get the sense and you never have done that someone, for example, in the White House cares at all. Um, and and then sim- similarly for, for members of Congress, it, it's like there's a sense that um, any idea of responsibility, accountability to the people that you are supposed to be and you are elected to support and lead. Um, and represent really just isn't there. There's such a disconnect. So that's another thing. And then the third thing is increased polarization. I think you mentioned that, like, you know, that's not new, but it is something that I feel like we already knew the aisle was um, not being crossed quite as often over the past couple of years. But then especially now it just feels like, you know, there's pretty much nothing we can't meet in the middle. Um, and, any sense of like, oh, there there used to maybe feel like there were some things that we could all be like, right, we agree, let's go. Um, and and those feel few and far between now. So yeah, yeah that's kind of a discouraging three items. But I, I do think that that's made being effective in advocacy uh, more challenging. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, to put it simply from where I see is um, the truth no longer matters in mm-hmm. politics, as sad as that is. 
Um, it, it started when the inauguration happened and we were told that we have the record crowds. No one's ever shown it up. It was the biggest crowd. Um, and, uh, and then we found out that, you know, Photoshop played a role in that. And, um, rather than accepting defeat, uh, you know, we were told that there are alternative facts, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. thanks to Kellyanne Conway. And, and I think we were presented with alternative facts, um, for the four years that followed that. Daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're at a point where, like, there is no one source of truth anymore. We can't yeah. both look at the same data and agree what it actually says. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's sort of a really sad um, point that we've reached where the truth actually doesn't matter. That, um, you know, a, a lie spreads faster than the truth around the world. And when you're focused on marketing um, rather than, like, uh, actually telling the truth, um, then you realize that, you know, it's more convenient to tell a lie and try to get 35 to 50% of the people to believe it rather totally. than the, to the truth. So I think that's an unfortunate circumstance of where we're at now. And, um, you know, I think also uh, I'd add to that that social media has played a really big role in why advocacy doesn't work uh, the way it used to be in that, um, you know, the the truth isn't spread as fast as, as lies. And the platforms haven't done as good of a job as they've needed to, to no. uh, regulate misinformation. And in fact, when they have regulated, it's felt like it almost hurts, you know, our clients, a lot of the people who are telling the truth. Um, you know, we see ad get ads get turned down every time when they're actually, in fact, trying to correct misinformation. So it feels like, yeah, the social media companies have a long way to go in terms of figuring out how to how to best regulate and um, <laughs> actually support the truth. Oh, um, but to shift us to a happier, happier gear, um, what gives you hope, Eric? Uh, wh- who's doing it right? Like, are there people who have been doing it right over these past four years, despite all of the things that we just we just discussed? Yeah, for sure. I think it's been exciting to see three trends in particular uh, develop over the last three years in terms of effective advocacy. While we haven't been as effective lobbying the federal government uh, for change, the three areas that have been effective uh, are corporate advocacy, boycotts Mm -hmm. in particular, uh, local advocacy, um, and um, what's the third one that I wanted to mention? Um, oh, sorry. Uh, advocating within your own party. So sort of oh, for sure. Yeah. Within, within a party rather than across the aisle. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, boycotts are something that's always, um, been a, a really useful tool. Um, there is only one source of truth when you're talking about financial data and mm-hmm. when customers all stand up and say, wait, we're not going to buy your products anymore. We're not going to support you. Uh, the year end financial statements can't hide that. Yeah. Um, you know, there no is alternative facts there. No, there is, there's one set of numbers <laughs> at the end yeah. of the year and, and, and companies know that. So, um, mm-hmm. and they see the data a lot sooner than the end of the year. So they can tell right away whether a boycott's taking effect. Um, and if it is, they do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, while corporations aren't typically thought of, um, as, uh, you know, honest and, you know, sort of having the best, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the public's uh, best interest in mind, um, they do care quite a bit about their revenue and their profit. um, Mm -hmm. And anything that affects that um, forces change. 
And so that's been, it's been nice to see that work well. Yeah. Um, on Do the, you have an example of that yeah, in mind? Or? For sure. So one really recent one was um, the Washington football team, our newly uh, yes. uh, football uh, in, in D.C. Um, you know, that's been a, a fight that's been going on for decades, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of appealing to what's right um, and, uh, you know, how that uh, previous name offended people within the Native mm-hmm. American community wasn't enough uh, to bring about that change. It happened when the lead sponsor of the stadium said, we're going to take uh, our name off of your stadium and back out of a $75 million sponsorship agreement if you don't <laughs> yeah, change suddenly. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we're getting boycotted as an organization. This was FedEx uh, talking to the management team of the then named Redskins. And that pressure applied, uh, moved the needle, and and the name changed within a week after that. It's just crazy to see how. With with the right amount of pressure applied. Um, So, yeah, um, moving on to the local issue. um, Yeah, you know, I think just seeing the success with – Things like DA races, um, you know, your local sheriff's race, mm-hmm. those sorts of things that people are becoming aware of has been really, really helpful. Um, you know, I think that's been great to harness all that passion and activity that we've seen on Twitter and really get people to care about what's happening in their community. Um, you know, it's it's not about, you know, um, how many people can you reach uh, with a tweet? It's about mm-hmm. appealing to the right people. It's about knocking on doors. Um, when you're in a community, you really, you know, you're not protected by secret service. You can't just lie and hide, um, you know, and, and just never be faced with your constituents at the local level. And so those things are really, you know, starting to work well. And, and that's great to see also. Um, on the advocating with the own party, within the own party, you know, seeing things, um, you know, like the Green New Deal um, mm-hmm. and just the amount of nonprofits that have focused their attention on getting people within the Democratic Party to really move more progressive um, has been wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Might not be receptive to talk to Republicans uh, about environmental protections right now. Um, because our air has never been cleaner. So why do we have to be in the Paris Agreement? Um, you know, but within, mm-hmm. the, within the Democratic Party, you know, we were becoming more progressive and caring about issues that is overwhelmingly supported by the public, like taking good care of our environment. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think both of the examples that you just gave in terms of um, growing from within the party and then also local influence. It's, it's been really cool to see people kind of rediscovering their power. You know, often people have the most sphere of influence within their own communities, um, on the ground level, you know, in, in, in smaller races, but that actually have a big impact on, on a lot of their daily life. Um, and then similarly from within the party. Yeah. I think it's been really exciting, especially to see, uh, some of the, millennial and Gen Zers coming in and really starting to influence and um, discover their power to move the Democratic Party to be a more progressive space. So yeah, I think both of those are um, are really encouraging. All three of those are very encouraging. Yeah, Um, change seems to happen when there's mass support behind it. It becomes a lot easier for others to get on board that were sort of on the fringe. 
Totally. Uh, you know, so by starting internally and just getting more and more people excited about things like the Green New Deal, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and UBI and other progressive uh, examples that are going to help mass amounts of people, the popularity begins to grow. And, you know, before you begin reaching across the aisle, really building that support um, across the country first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the idea of, like I said, just starting small and then growing from there, you know, planting the seeds um, and building, building local power. So yes, here's the hope. Speaking of hope, um, what's, what's next? Uh, Where, where do you think to go uh, over, you know, the next uh, four years? After next Tuesday? Advocacy. Yeah. Well, um, my answer to this one is a little bit softer. I think, I think we at bottom, it's about just keeping on showing up and not giving up. And again, you know, going back to the problems that we've had is like this erosion of trust and we need to overcome our cynicism. We need to keep showing up and we need to keep, um, staying involved. We can't just ditch the system just cause it's not working. I think we can all agree. There are definitely things that are 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 wrong and that aren't working, but by participating in them is the only way that we can kind of, that we can change and make our democracy better, make our country work better for all of us. Um, so I think it's really about keeping on showing up. And I I always go back to this this um, talk that that Obama gave, President Obama gave um, at, through his foundation. But essentially, you know, he was talking about the the real thing that we need is both protests and policy change. And I think those two wedded together is, I mean, he, you know, he always has the best words literally. Um, But I really, I think he's so right. You know, we do need to show up. We do need to get out there. We do need to uh, mobilize the movement. We do need to gather on force, but we also have to direct our, our power and be strategic so that we can actually achieve the policy change that's going to be the difference um, in the future. So yeah, all that to say, we got to keep showing up. Yeah, a hundred percent. For me, just starting like really tangibly when we talk about showing up, it's about getting out to vote. Um, Yes, it is. Coming up uh, Tuesday. And um, you know, that's the first place that uh, we need people to show up. Um, but that's just the start, you know, regardless Great. of what happens at the, uh, in the, in the next election, um, it's about moving forward and taking advocacy to the next level from there. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with voting advocacy is going to be more effective again, when we have a, a party in control, both in Congress and in the white house, um, that have compassion, that have empathy, that mm-hmm. have ability to uh, understand what the truth is rather and than respect for people. That'd be nice. The respect would be wonderful. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll settle for just acknowledgement of what the truth is um, yeah. for a starting point, and then we'll work our way towards respect. Um, yeah, and hopefully we get enough people out to vote. Historically, uh, Democratic candidates win with larger numbers. Um, and the early signs are pointing towards record turnout, which is great. Um, My fingers are crossed. I hope we get everyone out there that's sort of on the fence. You know, there's a contingent of progressives that haven't been excited or energized by, by Biden and Harris. 
um, because of their more moderate views and, um, yeah. you know, and have sort of blamed the system and corporate um, politics and corporate Democrats not being, you know, in touch with the people. Uh, to those individuals, I hope that they um, will will realize that they'll be able to put their advocacy chops mm-hmm. to practice once again um, when we have uh, uh, a, a White House um, that actually acknowledges that facts are facts and the truth is the truth. And let's debate the policy mm-hmm. about whether the Green New Deal is the right policy for our environment rather than denying that there is a problem with the environment. There is? Just kidding. Just kidding. But yeah, I think all that to say, it sounds like we're agreed. We got to show up. We got to vote on this in this election and in the ones to come up and down the ballot all the time. Keep showing up. Yep. And then we get to work. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Eric. This has been so exciting. This has been our first episode of If Not Us. And we're so excited to bring uh, you more interesting guests and conversation topics. Thanks, Clara, and I look forward to our next conversation.